Welcome back to Everything Hurts. My name is Dr. James Heathers, and I live in the moon. With me today, all the way from Norway, Dr. Daniel Quintana. Daniel, how are you? I'm very well, James. Thank you for saying that. How's my NPR voice? It's getting better. Uh, I've been practicing. I find it so soothing when I listen to it on the radio. I've been I've been enjoying it. It's been yeah. I love the old to, uh, N- just, NPR podcasts. You, you just need to to listen to the voice, and you know it's going to be something about the horned beetle from Madagascar. Or some you, deep philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Plato's toenails, uh, <laughs> and you just 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 let yourself be in the moment. Enjoy your NPR voice. Maybe a bit of Wagner when it goes off, sort of uh, shift the mood around a little. But uh, yeah, big fan of the NPR voice, big fan of science, big fan of all sorts of things. Now, we've got a a really uh, interesting paper that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, yeah. I I like this um, this, this shift that we've got. People have uh, accused me in the past, Dan, of doing nothing but bitching. Um, about things that I don't like, and I very, I, I'm much more comfortable actually. As much look, that's true enough, but I'm much more comfortable talking about papers which kick ass. So something that just happened and it's really interesting, rather than always talking about broader structural issues or mm. stuff I hate, obviously, which are two fairly weighty categories. It is infinitely more fun to talk about some good shit that just happened, and there's lots of good shit happening. Mm. Uh, it's also, look, from a podcasting perspective, would you agree that if there's a good paper to talk about, uh, it makes it really easy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, all this all this cool shit comes up. You go, mm, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that reminds me of something else. And it all, it just, it does it itself. Now, this one was really, really interesting because it, it popped up. Um, I this think it was... is one of yours. This is one of yours. I, I take no responsibility for finding this. Um... Yeah, and, and it was it was kind of a weird way that I found it because I've like um, I think like you do as well. I have my RSS feed set up. Yep. Um, mainly psychiatry journals, but the odd uh, physiology journal for all the heart rate variability stuff. And I saw this title come up, and I thought, "Oh, this this looks really interesting." Thinking it was from one of the physiology journals, but this actually was published this paper in Biological Psychiatry. Uh, now, what I was looking at was uh, something which crosses both of our interests, which is firstly uh, performance-enhancing drugs, hey, and uh, and psychiatry and neuroscience. Now this one was looking at structural brain. Yeah, this imaging. is this is pretty much an ass mashup. Yeah, it's um, perfect. Yeah, this was never this was never going to escape scrutiny and interest. No, and, and uh, it's also uh, it's also written by some of the most Norwegian people uh, in the history of letters with dots <laughs> and lines through them. Well, they're actually from uh, from my institution at the Oslo University Hospital, and uh, which these- is how you found them, right? Yeah, because they they came uh, one of the or I think I believe it was the first author perhaps came and did a presentation in our lab yep. about a year ago, and I thought, gee, that's interesting with their approach, and they've finally published their results, um, mm. which was looking at structural brain imaging of long term anabolic androgenic steroid users and mm. non users who are weightlifters. Right. So, what particular feature are we looking at when you say structural brain imaging? Most people go, oh, brain image, brain, it's interesting. Uh, but we've got there's more than one type of magnetic resonance imaging MRI. Explain to the nice people what they did. 
So for this one, they were looking at the overall structure in yep. how thick is the uh, how thick is the brain or overall, but also looking at the size of specific regions of the brain. Hmm. Now this is a fairly straight. I mean, this is much more straightforward than doing um, uh, looking at uh, functional brain activity. Whereas here, you're just looking at the structure of the brain. Right. And Which is normal. I mean, if you're in a car accident or uh, you, you're recovering after a boxing match or you got the shit kicked out of you or you, you, you've suffered uh, trauma or assault or something, and they want to make sure your brain is intact, there's no bleeds, or if you have a neuropsychiatric condition and they're wondering if you know, something's actually happened to you, etc., etc., this is the normal circumstance under which we take a structural MRI. We're looking at the structure of the actual gray and white matter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, this this is an interesting approach because we we know, and I'm sure you'll go into this a bit, bit later, but we know that there's a lot of um, associations between steroid use and adverse health consequences. We're talking cardiovascular effects, uh, psychiatric disorders, uh, cognitive deficits. Uh, we know these things are pretty well described, but we don't actually know what the impact of steroid use is on brain structure. Mm. Now, th this is interesting because when you inject steroids, uh, compared to many other molecules, um, steroids can actually cross the blood-brain barrier quite yes, easily. Mm. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of these androgen receptors everywhere in the brain, um, amygdala, yep. Um, hypothalamus, particularly in these regions, all over the actual, all over the actual brain itself, everywhere. Yes, brainstem. It it, yeah, yeah. They, it does. So you know, you think, oh, no, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything to me. It crosses the barrier that's designed to keep molecules out of your head and directly binds to things in your brain. So it's going to do a thing. Do it's it. it's written in the music of the spheres. It's inherent in the structure of what is happening. It so, will do a thing. What thing is what we're trying to get at? Yeah, and uh, but I think before we get in there, I have, um, as a layman, when it comes to steroid use, I've got a few questions that I'm sure the listeners might be interested in as well. So, firstly, um, how are steroids typically taken? Is this a thing where you do it once a day to sort of maintain it, or what's the typical approach? Uh, okay, um, you know when you have a, a restaurant and you have those enormous yellow squeeze bottles? That yeah. you use for putting sauces on things. Uh, mustard's typical here in the United States. Uh, ketchup. Yeah. Uh, you get one of those, and you fill it from a tube that says horse steroids of doom. Uh, and you put basically a ballpoint pen tube on the end, something nice and fat, and you put it in behind your eyeball, and you scream, Thor, I am coming for you, and you give it a good squeeze. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Straight that in. is not the laugh I was going for, sir. <laughs> now I wanted to I wanted to do that for two reasons. First of all, because I'm a colossal shit stirrer, this we accept. Second reason is this is uh the the gap between perception and usage when it comes to anabolic use of everything is pretty wide. I think people get the um pe people get a, a certain sense of otherness a certain sense of male fear a certain sense of discomfort from a lot of uh a lot of steroid use really in general um that's only very partially warranted uh, i'm also going to draw a distinction now between in power sports and in more or less every other type of sport 
Uh, now this paper much... was more relevant for power sports. Yes, which is uh, which makes it infinitely more relevant to the general population. So I mean, the, so I'll start start with your question, and then we'll we'll move into that for a second. Um, there's two sorts. There's things that are injected, and there's things that are taken orally. Some things are orally bioavailable. Most of the stuff that actually works is not. Um, athletes a lot of the time use orals and uh, different different oral only steroids. But let's not talk about alkylation and stuff like that. It's simply some of them will, will work if you eat them and some of them won't. Um, the vast majority of stuff that is cheapened normal is taken by intramuscular injection. Now, uh, especially when it comes to testosterone, which is obviously the frontline bogo welcome to the party steroid. Various esters of testosterone are metabolized into something that will work at different rates. So it starts on one end with testosterone suspension, which is not, uh, which, which is, is literally just testosterone suspended into a solution, which works more or less straight away. Um, it's hard to get, um, and it's not, it's, yeah, as far as like the destabilizing mood kind of, uh, like giving you horrible acne, making you, making you go crazy, um, most people are, are very wary of that one. Mm -hmm. So after that, we have esters of testosterone that have different metabolic times. So a really common one is testosterone, es ethanate, cypionate, and propionate, which are, there's, there's other ones as well, so undecanate and all that sort of shit. Um, these are different esters metabolized at different rates. So cypionate is a long one, ethanate is a middle one, and propionate prop is a short acting one. Some of the common blends are all of these things mixed together, so you have a relatively even profile over time. Um, back in the day, uh, Australian veterinary steroids, they had a, there was a, something that, um, uh, the, the, I think it was, it was one of the most famous ones like in, in the underground for like 10, 15, 20 years ago. It was a veterinary blend called Drive. Mm -hmm. um, that'll, that'll do as an example. It had 300 uh, milligrams per gram of solution, and it was a blend of different esters. Uh, it was designed for horses and shit like that, of course. Um, eventually, they cleaned the industry up in Australia. But for a while there, we were the king of the king of the world, making testosterone that people shot into themselves to get enormous and achieve jacktitude. Now, how much you actually need to do this? How much? How much drug goes in? There is a cultural and a physiological difference between. I need to support a very large amount of muscle, and I need to have adequate recovery of the stuff that I'm actually doing. So when you think about, ooh, ah, Lance Armstrong takes drugs, the vast majority of the time, completely different kind of drugs, let's not get into that for now. But athletes like that will also take extremely small doses of, a lot of the time, oral, sometime in injectionable, injectionable, injectable, injectable. Wow, how did I do that? It's too, I'm trying to make it objectionable. Um, never mind me. Uh, so those those are typically typically taken a lot over time, which is why they avoid injections, or you'd be shooting things into your ass the vast majority of the time most days. Um, that uh, it, it happens a great deal. 
the doses are the doses are very low sometimes uh, 20 to 50 milligrams would be reasonable the, the sort of ballpark common um, but when it comes to people who you've got to you've got to fill the skin out so specifically and I'm doing this in order now uh, when it comes to like usage patterns bodybuilders powerlifters strongmen weightlifters now, the reason that weightlifters don't use as much as the other two is because they have weight classes. Mm. Yeah? So, if I am a, a middleweight... Which is... Of whatever, I'm, so let's say, let's say I'm, I have to stay uh, it's like 60, 69 kilos, the thereabouts, thereabouts. Now, I can't just uh, get as huge as humanly possible because <laughs> it, well, it's not going to fit my frame. But, I'm doing a lot of... I need to recover a great deal. So I will I will bash a reasonable amount of this stuff and pay attention to my diet. Weightlifters in general do not go, oh, I'm going to control my weight and do the cardiovascular. No, they don't. They do more weightlifting. Um, they, they, they take what is necessary to recover from training. And weightlifting training is, is has a, uh, there's a, a very large amount of very uh, high, high skill, high intensity exercise. It's hard to do, and you're continually thinking about how to improve what you're doing. Mm. You're only doing so six to eight main exercises. They're huge things like uh, uh, back back squat, front squat, snatch, power snatch, clean, jerk, push jerk, uh, push press, sometimes some normal sort of press as well. That's literally it. Everything's with a barbell. Everything's heavy. It's all brutal. Um Powerlifting, three main lifts, squat, bench, deadlift. Everyone knows these from the gym. Mm. Squat, thing on the back, squat down, stand up. Bench press, lying down. Thing is, everyone knows what the bench press is, fuck you. Um, deadlift, bars on the ground, pick it up to standing. Done. Now, uh, weight classes in powerlifting go a lot higher than they do in weightlifting. So, um, weightlifting tops out at 105 kilos. Powerlifting goes up a little bit further than that. I hope they haven't. They've changed them so many times, and I've watched so, <laughs> so many people. Like, oh, yeah, there's been three or four major designations of the, the, the categories. Okay, so there's a, a few more things. Powerlifts power are quite slow compared to weightlifting. So you're you you uh, you're also like com comparatively for your frame. If you ever see someone who looks like a grizzly bear, frankly, and they say they compete doing doing this kind of stuff, uh, that's opposed to some degree to strong men as well, then yeah, you they're, they're really genuinely big people. Mm. Powerlifters uh, also increasingly are trying to make categories like uh, 110 or 125 kilos, which is a lot of person. Yeah. And they're trying to stay leaner than they used to in the good old days where you just you just get fat and shoot a lot of testosterone and it's all good fun and you get sweaty behind the ears and you push up lots of weight and it's all a good time and everyone everyone gets a trophy shaped like a sword and we all go home. Um So the weight classes are higher. Um gear gear works better, really. Um some yeah, it's uh it, it's handy <laughs> obviously without mind-numbing effort, nothing does anything at all. If you shoot testosterone and sit on the couch, uh, you'll get sweaty <laughs> uh, and some acne. That's it. All of this stuff is, um, all of this stuff rewards only. You, you, you don't add, you don't add a lot of weight. You can add aggression, you can add uh, capacity 
Uh, you have the ability to recover, but it doesn't it doesn't lift the weight for you. Now, one, common one, misconception. Last thing, bodybuilders. All right, bodybuilders have to get as big as possible, but they also have to stay really lean, and that means they diet the shit out of things. They have uh, reasonably high amounts of cardio, high amounts of weight volume, a lot of uh, heavy exercises as well, and sometimes they're doing this on drastically reduced calories because they're trying to drop their body fat as low as possible. The thing that maintains muscle mass during this is not just steroids, but every other damn thing they can get their hands on. It's also a cultural issue of drug use when it comes to bodybuilding. Bodies are not meant to be like you, I think light heavyweight is is uh, oh god, I can't even remember. I don't, I don't, not much interest in bodybuilding. Uh, maybe uh, let's just say a hundred kilos. Yeah, mm. if you're going to compete doing that, or even if you think you are, there's a big difference between getting on stage uh, in a sparkly thong painted orange and just doing it because you want to sit around the house looking big. Yeah, uh, but when you're competing, you, a lot of people are from four to five percent. Total body fat, which is just enough to make sure your organs work and shit. <laughs> um, very, very little subcutaneous body fat. There's all sorts of tricks on making yourself bigger and smaller, etc. Uh, how much water you maintain, how much glycogen is in your muscles, etc., etc. So you 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 do that. Um, more demanding in uh, mentally, sort of over time, is they don't really have off a lot of the time, these contest diets and shit that people do, it's usually two or three months of deliberately trying to reduce your fat as low as humanly possible uh, while maintaining all the muscle, because otherwise you won't look pretty in your sparkly thong. Harsh. Yeah, so they also have a, a, a cultural use of, uh, what would be the big ones? Clenbuterol, human growth hormone, uh, IGF, if you can get it or you can afford it, it's not cheap. Uh, diuretics sometimes, although they're extremely dangerous. And the, the big one in the last 10 years or so has been insulin, another really super good way to kill yourself if you don't know what you're doing. Diabetic coma, thumbs up. Um, so, out of this, we have a continuum of kind of expected drug use here. Is what I'm, what I'm, what this, this rant about large sweaty people comes to an end. At the very top, we've got people in bodybuilding and power sports. And they're the people, when you talk about anabolic steroid users, not people at a gym who, who, who shot it in the bathroom once because they think it would be a good idea, but people who are on long-term, high-level planned usage of steroids. Proper subculture shit. Now, to the infinite credit of the people in this paper, they have gone out and found a population of exactly these people. It's not sort of, oh, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not, I want to look ripped for stereosonic bro. <laughs> people who should be flung into the sun. We're, we're going to post a picture of some, uh, some classic stereosonic uh, oh, group, Christ, group, group photos. Those, Fant- those things are amazing. Fantastic. Um, don't show me. <laughs> So the well, I was looking through this paper before your someone reported taking seven thousand milligrams of AAS, which is anabolic androgenic steroids. So in this context, we can assume we're not talking about fucking cortisone and just say steroids. Um, I would be surprised if they're taking that. That is like, like very top level bodybuilders. Um, 
strongmen who were 6'9 or 6'10, maybe. That is a psychotic amount of drugs. But the but the average um the average was pretty was much what you one thousand two hundred and fifty. So, what would a, a cycle look like for to, for something like that? Um, the common sort of common sort of drugs probably seven hundred and fifty of those would be testosterone, and the rest would be split up between Winstrol, Decadurabolin, uh. A, 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 a ton of other stuff human and human and veterinary sometimes products uh underground stuff and over-the-counter stuff it depends on where you are and what you're buying so we've got um, a, we've that's got a... a lot so your average your average user is a real user which is something that does not happen in a lot of studies mm. yeah so it's it, interesting for this study that they've actually got quite a representative not just your let's just get ripped these are these are competitors, and I think there was at least I think five or ten that were actually international competitors. So yep, yeah. So look, what they've probably done is they've probably found a gym or a chain of gyms, a series of gyms where the people are actually real meathead subculture people. That's who what I'm, did. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm actually I'm particularly fond of these people. Some <laughs> some of my best friends are sweaty mongoloids. You and, know who you are. And I think they uh, also they also trawled the um the the bodybuilding forums and um bas- basically recruited good. people. You know, all right, they did they did the right thing. They didn't walk into Planet Fitness and go, does anyone <laughs> have the steroids? Someone walks up with a bottle, going, I'm taking this and I don't know what it is. Where did you get it? Oh, a nutrition store. They said it was like steroids. Oh, they're not recruiting these wetneck idiots. Now, I think this the actual real this is the the real shit. And then they did the actual blood test to measure the well, it's called the T to E ratio. Yeah, and it was done in the in the um the local well the national um dr- drug testing lab as well. So it wasn't just someone that's just kind of put together some analysis tests. This was the actual lab where um they send all the samples. For... Yes, I did notice. I did notice that. So the people have have done um thousands of doping control tests. And mm-hmm. Doping control when it comes to sport is very strict. Um, it's just a matter of it being done in the first place a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, at the at the very highest levels, they've always figured out um, that doping control is really really hard. It raises the question of whether or not it's a good idea at all. Sometimes. Mm. But I mean, but they, uh, they, these people weren't so actually hiding it. Circum- it's circumvent. No, but it's a thing. You have to understand. Um, most bodybuilding and powerlifting anywhere, and all of strongmen, as far as I'm aware, are not drug tested sports. It's not like every sport is in the Olympics. These are their own things. People do them to their own ends. Uh, and a lot of places, anabolic steroids are not flat out illegal. Oh, it's such a problem. Yeah, some mm. places, some countries go. Ah, look, we've got real problems. We don't care about that. Well, actually, at my local gym, um, there are posters everywhere which say the police can come and take samples and do tests. Of uh, what? They like just walk in and go piss for us. Yeah, that that's what that's what um that's what it seems like. I would hazard a guess that this is just a good way to tell people that if it's illegal if they find like if you've got the drugs they're allowed to under the law to test you to see if you're actually using them i don't think they're proposing random doping doping control on every norwegian who looks big it's obviously a expensive minority report futile kind of thing as much as 
they consider the inside of you to be searchable if they've got probable cause, <laughs> right? Yeah, look, I'll, at least I'll, you'd, you'd hope so, because that's some pretty uh, that's intense. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a photo um, when I um, when I, when I go there next and get the specific details and, and translate it of what, of what sure. they're actually doing. Um, yeah. but um, how's your Norwegian coming along? Yeah, I mean, I'm I can read sort of conversational stuff, so yeah. It's, okay, it's coming along, coming along fine. How, um, say something like say something like get in get in the sea, <laughs> you sweaty Danish animal. No, you've gone beyond my abilities. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something. Go, um, go till stranden din um, uh, dansk uh, menneskeri. <laughs> Um, I'm, oh, that, was, Harold, that wasn't too bad, Dad. Harold, Harold with two A's, I'm sure, is is going to give uh, a, a scathing review of my get pronunciation. Him, yeah, mug him. Now nah, he's he, he's on holidays in Portugal somewhere, so I don't know if he's going to be uh, going to be listening. Oh, I don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll be knocking knocking the. He's got, he's have his, uh, he'll have his own things to do in Portugal. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, yeah, but back back to the study. Now this the this study. Uh, this one actually had a really impressive sample size. We uh we had um eighty two participants um yes. who were steroid uh, users and tell si- people why tell people why that's impressive. Well, it's impressive because I mean compared to the typical brain imaging study, that's that's far more than what you would um typically get. I mean usually, yes. I mean it's getting better. Uh, a few years ago, if you had maybe twenty per um per cell, people would go that's pretty good. But um, in this sample, there was actually quite a quite a sizable sample size per group. Um, for these uh, for these participants here, and uh, what was really impressive was how they were actually able to get their control group of um, of non using weightlifters, which is super mm. important if you want to do the do these comparisons here. Now, as you'd expect, um, the actual amounts that these people were lifting in the steroid group was um, significantly higher than the um, than the non group. I think um, they're high. I think they're high overall. Um, I think they're they're uh... pretty pretty big numbers. Yeah, your average your average weight is your average weight is 100 kilos. Uh, your average BMI is 30, which is very normal for a large, muscular sort of person. Um, yeah, squat, bench, deadlift, high hundreds, low two hundreds is the mean. So there's obviously people who are putting up a lot more than that. Uh, 140 to 170 mean bench. Uh, the average participant in the study had a deadlift over five hundred pounds. Yeah, so yeah. that's um, that's 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 pretty pretty. So that is shifting some iron. Yeah, these are not little, and the average height actually is exactly six foot for both groups. They're all big, big, big guys. This is a bunch of chunks. This is excellent. This is an excellent sample. They're all middle aged, which is more normal when it comes to stuff like this. The average age is thirty two, thirty three. Mm. Um, the vast majority of them are highly educated. They all have an IQ that's well above 100 for the most part. Um, yeah, it's a it's a realistic it's a realistic sample. Now I remember talking to the investigators, and they actually mentioned that initially they were thinking we're just going to recruit men because we're we're going to have a lot of trouble actually recruiting women. But mm. they had put all these ads up, um, forums, gyms everywhere, and they they got a lot of contact from females going, "Can we participate?" And they actually got so yeah. much interest. That I believe they actually have now extended the study, and they're going to be including the impact on females. Yeah, well, totally different pattern of uh, totally different usage amounts, mm. uh, totally different lifts, 
um, you should see, even though the usage will be a lot smaller, the people obviously will be smaller, the usage will be a lot smaller. Um, the distinction, though, between uh, using and non-using, I mean, this control group is some pretty strong people, but women who take actual proper uh, injectable testosterone are wildly different to women who don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the difference between, yeah, look, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Google image search if you don't believe me. Because mm. uh, women have very little, they have a tiny bit of normal, natural, endogenous testosterone. Um, and when you screw with that, shit really changes really fast. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, it's a it's a real thing. It's full on. Now, to the to the study itself, they um, they got the participants to come in. Um, did full full evaluations, um, looked at um, depression, anxiety, um, mm-hmm. and, and a whole list of, of both illicit and prescription drugs yes. that these participants, which was very comprehensive and, and, and very impressive. Um, and then they got them in the scanner. Um, from from memory, from speaking to the investigators, they actually some of these guys were so big, they actually had trouble <laughs> with with the equipment. Like it's, just... uh, it's 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 reasonable to expect, Dan, that if you've got a median or mean weight of 100 kilos and six feet tall, that if you get a sample of 80 people, the people who are on the top end of that shit They're are going be to be big. gentlemen of size. Yeah. You're going to be 130, 140 kilos, maybe even more people who are 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. So real, real units here. Real, real, real huge people. So obviously, when you've when you got such variation and such big people... You have to mm. take into account the intracranial volume, yeah. Yes. So you want to make sure that any differences in size aren't because this dude has a massive head. So of course they. <laughs> and you see some blokes could gee, your head's massive, um, but uh, but of course they 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 account for this as you would do for any sort of analysis when you're looking yep. at brain structure, and uh, and the results still held when you actually um, uh, accounted for this. But onto the actual results. So they got them to come in, and they found in the steroid users there was a smaller overall gray matter. Mm. So these people who were using steroids had a smaller gray matter, and then they were also looking at specific regions as well: um, smaller cortical volume, patamen volume, and a thinner cortex in the in these regions. Um, yep. And the more steroids they took, the thinner these regions were. So it that appears to be to dose me- dependent. To me, that's the crucial. That's obviously the first problem here is when you're talking about two different populations of people. These are self-selected populations. We are not randomizing people to take a bunch of gear versus not take a bunch of gear. That would be a much, much better test of something like this. But you have practical and ethical issues with take the man and fill him full of drugs for science, as much as a lot of people would sign up for that shit. So... In the absence of information like that, you would look for structures within the data that allow you to make the conclusion that one thing is related to the other. Yep. Yeah? So, people on the internet love bitching about, oh, it's only an association, it could be anything. And yeah, look, it could be anything. Um, I'm tired of people on the internet complaining about it, you know? If you like doing science so much, and fucking go out, get your own funding and do it, you lazy armchair trolls. Um... <laughs> Dan's nodding, but he doesn't want to be seen associating himself with my stronger opinions. No, I, I do so, agree with this opinion. <laughs> good, good, because I'm right. So, uh, the the I mean, when I say different populations, it's, it's really interesting. Um, steroid group in general, 
very little alcohol usage. Mm. Very high. I mean, seriously, I've got like one and a half drinks a week. Which is so far below the mean of the um, a- average Joe Blow. Yeah, I mean, think that's that's the average as well. With so basically, there's a handful of people who drink, and everyone else is more or less sober. However, the concurrent drug use for antidepressants, anxiolytics, opioids, other drugs, is forty percent in the steroid group, mm-hmm. and like two or something. I've said the figure before, but I've lost it because the paper's very long. So you've got one group, almost half of them, uh, poly drug users. They've got whatever other uh, cognitive or physiological differences they brought to the table. And they have completely different overall patterns of drug use. Now, you have to add to that as well the fact that you're not, uh, you're not getting this from a doctor. You're getting this from a guy you just know called Smokey Joe in a car park. Or you're buying it off the internet. Right? So, oh, I'm taking this particular dosage. Are you? Are you Really? Do you yeah. actually do you actually know what that is? Hmm. Uh, you, but you rub all this stuff together, and the really important thing is the relationship between your approximate self-reported dose that you're not really going to know and our primary dependent measures mm. in this study, which is all the stuff on uh, which is all the stuff on the cortical midbrain volume. And there's a relationship between uh, the drug use and the volume stuff. I'd love to see raw data on this because it's not the amount of drugs that people take is not going to be normally distributed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to have a fat right tail, like a lot of things do, because you're going to have a few people, 250, 500, 750 milligrams per week, and then a lot of people who are oh, we're in the proper thing now, a gram, a little bit more than a gram. And people who are going to be taking some wacky shit because they've got more money than sense and i got a death wish. <laughs> yeah? So, when you're talking about, oh, we want to look at the like steroid-induced neurotoxicity, uh, let's, I, I'd love to see a scatter plot of that to see if it actually made sense. Well, the, the, I haven't actually oh, had a look if, at the supplementary material, so it could actually be an, in there. Is if this is an open data paper, maybe we can have a little poke around with that because I'm... Um, look... It's it's an it's an interesting thing. You, you take this out of context, and it fits quite well. It's sort of there's a lot of folk beliefs around steroids that mm-hmm. people who are there's subculture abuse people actually believe. And the reason that there's so many of them uh, is because they've been bullshitted by official guidelines for for things. It's a little bit like you, you remember when you when you're in high school and they have that thing like don't drink and drive. The moment you drink and drive. Uh, Everyone's gonna, everyone's gonna die. Like you'll get in the car, and the differential will jump out and punch your passenger to death, and the car will explode, and both of your legs will fly off and get stuck to your earlobes. And then, you know, the first time you get caught out, but you're out of town, and the designated driver gets really sick, and you've got to drive in even though you're drunk, and you get in and you you make it, and you drop the designated driver at the hospital, and you go. Ah, oh, no one died. I guess they fucking lied to me. That happens with that happens with this stuff all the time. The mm. re- one of the reasons that there's a lot of heavy duty subculture beliefs is because pe- these people are these people are underground. There's a there's a, a a lifestyle element to it as well, but there's also an element of uh, the the fact that like the the vast majority of people who are anabolic steroid users that are not 
in their early 20s or teenagers who do retarded stuff all the time. Um, most of these people who are 30, 35, who it's like, it's what they do. Yeah? Hmm. Some people like to keep their lawn nice. Some people go to dungeon clubs and have the shit kicked out of them so they can get an erection. Some people take juice and bang weights around. And the vast majority of them pay their taxes. They don't have any roid rage. So every time you tell them, oh, there's going to be some problem. And there's a lot of terrible research on this. Every time the terrible research comes out, some of these people are smart enough to go through the research yeah. and, and say what's terrible about it. That's the problem with terrible research. It screws up your authority. It screws up your ability to say, well, you want to take a really good, solid, analytical look at this. And the moment you don't know what you're doing, uh, you totally it totally defeats the purpose of you having a, a, a perspective that you can use to inform other people. Why don't you lose trust? Mm. And there's not a lot of it. Now, this is not a paper that fits into that at all. This is extremely well con it's a well conducted, comprehensive, interesting, appropriately controlled paper with a good result. Mm. Um which of course happen all the time. It's just that, you know, uh it's more common. When you do I mean, I've done in the last few days, I had a lot of reviewing to do. I reviewed seven papers in the last couple of weeks. Um a lot of them had to get spiked because they're dreadful. Yeah, it's just a fire hose. And it's not a matter of, uh, it's going to a special journal. I couldn't tell you what half of the journals were. Just it's bad just research. The, it's just the fact that research can be bad. Uh, we're gonna, we, we, we wrote a, a paper. We had another paper. So now we're writing a review paper on the paper that we did so you can know how we did it. Stop trying to double your money. Go away. Stop bothering me. Seriously. This is so uh, you're making that slightly skeptical face, but people do all this. I I don't know. I ended up on some list of uh, like patsies who'll do fast reviewing or something ages ago. So I've I've I, I see I see a few of these things. So would you so you, is this a typical for you to review like seven in a month or is that more? No, than... no, that's a abnormal. It's abnormally high. It's so you do about there's, three, there's other, three there's months. There's other there's so... other reasons. Three a month? I don't know. It depends. On, it depends on the month. I've had months where I've had none, and I've had like three day periods where I've had three. It's really, it's really capricious. Yeah. Anyway, look, let's not let's not lose lose focus on the on the meatheads here. This is uh this is a, a good this is a, a good fun thing. Um, can we find? Uh, we'll have to we'll have a look afterwards and see if the um. Uh, see if the, the what the the relationship is between um cortical matter loss and dosage. Because I mean, when you when when you think about it, think think about it this way: if you've got someone who's got a muscle wasting condition, yeah, these are really fragile people. People who've got AIDS, different versions of sarcopenia, stuff like that, right? Um, what do you give them? This exact same stuff. Anabolics, yeah. Yeah. That's the reason a lot of these things exist in the first place is because they're designed to be given to really fragile people. Like, your muscle loss is bad enough that we, these side effects, yeah. You know, they're not going to kill you. So, for, for people like that, we're, we're perfectly fine banging this stuff in. We're perfectly fine banging it into animals a lot of the time. The vast majority of uh, anabolic steroids produced all over the world are produced to be stuck in animals. So, they can either run faster or we can eat more of them. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, yeah, uh, the, what, I, what I was saying before about the like folk beliefs is that there's a, a very strong undercurrent of responsible usage, and if you I've seen this happen. If there's like people who are in their like late twenties, early thirties, who are using, and they meet someone who's twenty one, who's super proud of all the drugs they shoot. They will try and talk them out of it. They will. They don't want to be friends because basically they think you're a young idiot. It's the difference between uh, an an old person who enjoys a bottle of wine, uh, and the college parties that they have here, where people are doing keg stands and and they've got the, <laughs> the funnel. And... The yeah, the funnel with the thing is uh, oh, you have to. And I used to wonder why American beer is so bad. It's because trust me, because you because you, you can't shot you can't shotgun Belgian ale. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> If you wanted to, to come out your nose and then you want to die of <laughs> alcohol related toxicity, yeah, that's fine. Let's 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 see that. Let's that'd be really funny. It'd put a put a a, a good and drak in a in a beer bong and see what happens. It's like, well, I'm being assaulted by a licorice monster and I had two and now I'm dead. Because that was actually um, the um that was actually the first question I had um when they came into the presentation in our lab was surely the type of people who are gonna go along and um and, and take regular steroids steroids are going to be different essentially from the people people who aren't um do, you know, just do different personality characteristics um mm. and um w- w- obviously the, the the biggest question which we've mentioned before is uh, is causality now they've actually done a few uh, animal studies looking at steroid use and yes, um and, and found that um at least when it comes to cognition things like memory that um when you randomize steroid use it actually affects affects memory so here mm-hmm. you know that that's that's a pretty good proxy for not being able to do human randomized studies um, yes however uh, but before anyone starts whining and bitching about oh rats on people um this something like this a mechanism like this animal studies are fine yeah in, in this case yeah yes we're talking we're, to- we're talking about uh with the the same the same molecules hitting what's essentially the same receptors uh causing uh, global motor decline we've got excellent dose control because it's very easy to go here rat here's 10 milligrams i wonder how rat, jacked up the rats milligrams. get sorry i wonder how jacked up the rats get uh without training almost nothing would happen they just get um they just get ratkney ratkney <laughs> put it put a treadmill in there um yeah i don't know how you do res- i always thought it would be adorable and uh, interesting <laughs> to make resistance training models with animals and i actually came up with a way some ways of those years ago i thought i got how do you actually do this um <laughs> yeah. also i wanted to make my cat as jacked as possible um <laughs> because he was uh he would he would eat my protein he would get onto the bench after i'd, I'd finish with protein i'd leave the shaker or the blender there and the cat would get in get so the protein and i was like oh god almighty does he like well he does he eats well, the protein it's, it's milk um, it's milk way probably yeah well yeah something usually yeah. uh so hmm so, <laughs> at, the, at the risk of diverging a bit, how how would you? <laughs> We're ha- always at the risk of diverging. Ha- a bit. How Back how would rat. you? I think this is important. How would you get a, a small mammal jacked? Um, you know, things that they naturally do, uh, different climbing behaviors, uh, wrestling behaviors, pulling or pushing. <laughs> think of uh, the, the th- things things like that for a cat. It's relatively uh, it's relatively straightforward. You need to have a uh, oh, I've got I've got a. a design for a, a thing where you you are a cat it's a it's a ball it's a ball on a stick and it has a, a like a, a counterweight at the bottom you can change the amount of the counterweight and the cat has to move the thing over 
It has to move the. It has to be able to move the. It, it's hard to. It's hard to describe. But basically, uh, basically, it's a. It's a full. It's a full body movement. Uh, CrossFit would be very happy with my my plan to make cats more jacked. <laughs> Um, but you can't have, I mean, obviously the, the teaching at any animal in isolation movement is a little bit silly. I think they do, <laughs> I think I, this may not be true. I have a vague memory of people doing stair climbing with resistance for, for rats or something. Or Yeah, like I, I have seen that for uh, overweight dogs. Uphill. Um, cause obviously you can put them on, then you can, if you, if you have a, a speeded thing. Obviously, the vast majority of wheels are not. They don't have a, a motor. There's no. There's no thing that's making it. It's under. It's being self-moved. The rat is moving the wheel. Um, you can, of course, increase the resistance, like the amount of force it takes to push the wheel around. But obviously, the 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 rat is. I mean, it's a rat. It's a few hundred grams. Um, so yeah, look, it's 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 difficult. Don't. That's, that's it. Yeah. It's, usually, it's me that goes on diversions like that. That one was. That one was you. Oh, was poking just, the poking was so, diversion. Su- super curious. So, overall, I think this is a. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty impressive study. Um, mm. I, mean, I mean, it got into one of the more one of the most uh, prestigious psychiatry journals. Um, the biological psychiatry. Biological psychiatry. Well, the, there's it, been some utter rubbish in that journal, but there's also been some really, really good stuff. That's uh, where most of the impressive stuff's going. Um, yeah, there is. All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the Im- imaging methods were um, a- a- as you'd expect, and um, and the good thing was the the authors were more than willing to actually mention what the limitations are of the study, and they weren't trying to oversell what they found. Um, I think, I think you've one- got a super good study. There's absolutely no reason to not yeah. really push you. Like, oh, here's the stuff that we can't find out. We're confident that uh, we're confident we did the right stuff. Yeah. It's also it's also a little bit Nordic, isn't it? You get right to the end, and then you uh, then you tell people exactly how Straight it is. Straight between the eyes. Problem with you, it's not, yeah, right in the face. Gotta and, love it. And but I guess the one of the one of the the limitations when it comes to doing structural brain imaging mm. is okay. So you have you know the thinner cortex or or particular structures are smaller compared to group A versus group V. Yeah. What does that mean though? Like it doesn't, you know, for one, we mm. know that certain, you know, emotion regulation, um, cognition are yep. generally localized within certain brain region networks. But if a certain structure in that network is smaller, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that this is why you are impaired co- cognitively, for instance. So, yeah, there's a great article yesterday. There's a, a, a guy who had 90% of his brain missing who was a civil servant. Yeah, I've read about these cases. Yeah, and he did all right for himself. Um, he was. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the the way the way that it was framed uh, is uh, a a man who lives without ninety percent of his brain is challenging the regular conceptions of what it actually means to be conscious. Yeah, I mean, this is an old case. This is from a, a, a jillion years ago. I think this is ten years old or more. Uh. So, you know, he has a, he's 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 of below average intelligence. The vast majority of his brain is fluid, and he's getting round. Yeah, very uh, very impressive. Yeah, it's not like he's uh, like he's achieved anything. It's just sort of like, okay. Well, you've got a smaller brain now. Roll that in with everything we know about neuroplasticity and consciousness and intelligence. What does it tell you? And the answer is we don't know. Mm. We don't know, man. Rough, huh? Yeah. 
Yeah. So well, I think with the study, though, it's good in the sense that it actually raises, raises, raises the benchmark when it comes to, you know, what we're sort of going to be doing, um, you know, what, what the standard is for the impact of steroids on health. Because like you said, there's been a lot of, uh, lot of bad stuff out there. But here we have a really well-designed study um uh, looking at the looking at the impacts on what's what's happening to the body and whether this actually reflects the the reported uh, cognitive deficits that you actually they actually see uh yeah uh look obviously this is this, this is a part of but something that there's a, the, the investigations are reasonable a lot of the stuff on a lot of the stuff on mood a lot of the rap research is really terrible um but this is this is done by actual scientists are in in a hospital with real degrees and a lot of the stuff on well, if you take the steroid you're going to go out into the streets of punching people well that's done by psychologists and my opinions on people who are in psychology are well well known by now um the cardiovascular effects are the really serious things to worry about when it comes to this um, because you're also combining that with, like, you're lifting weights, massive transitory increases in blood pressure. Yeah. And cardiac hypertrophy. Yeah? Mm. Not a good combination. Yeah? You've got to, I, yeah, yeah eat, your, eat your kale and go for a run from time to time. You're thinking of doing that stuff. Wow. Um, but, yeah, look, this is the, the, next, the next frontier. Uh, cognitive decline. Brain aging, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and I'd really love to see a uh, if, if you could do what would be an ideal study on something like this. Well, something similar to this actually, but you'd want to hang out some you'd want to hang out some dose dependent stuff. So randomizing, yeah, you know, trickier without assigning people to trickier without assigning people to uh, actually doing the damn drugs from scratch but you know that's not impossible i was mm. in a study where they did that i don't think i ever told you that no yeah i was it took uh it was it was 12 weeks we were um i was injecting myself every day with a ready jet of uh what was placebo or growth hormone and i went in for weekly shots of sustenin which is the three ester blend sustenin or placebo and then they had a big party right at the end. I mean, this is a three-month study or something. They paid me several hundred dollars. And it was really super interesting because I. it was also... Uh, uh, the, the cool thing was I, I had to maintain my training exactly as before. So it was a really good... Like, people with clipboards were, were checking up on me at the end of the week. Did you lift the right amount of weights? Good accountability there. Did you go for... Yeah, it was good. So it was a really interesting experience. You know, I will do as much research as possible to learn about research. It's how you come and be in my study. I'm the first person to go, oh, even if it's super boring. I'd put my hand up because you have insights about this shit all the time when you do it. It's also a collegial thing. You should go and do other people's research. Of course. And what were you yes. randomized to? Placebo, placebo. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but I lost a lot of fat because it was just the observation effect of being in the study. Yeah, I can't of tell you how much focus, like the importance of placebo control. This whole three, I should write something about this eventually. This whole three or four months of being observed, getting shots, injecting myself. Every single day, I had little lines from uh, the, the the GH pen. I had little lines of injection marks across my stomach. Um, I was like, "What are you?" Do? I missed one dose, and I got at the eighty-four or something that You're I. You're a great I give research participant. But that, yeah, the thing you have to take it seriously. But yeah. it's also, you know, it's something like this. It's a meditative reflection on what what happens when research when research takes place when it actually does. Um. 
Yeah. So the, the, this obviously you go right all the way to the end. They had a great way of doing this. It also gave me a really good insight into theater and science. This was <laughs> awesome because they got us all in one thing right at the end, all in one room, and they had a party and they laid uh, drinks on and sandwiches. Told us about what happened in the study. That's great. And then they That's went fantastic. everyone who, everyone who's got a name tag. Yeah, we all got name tags because you know it's also I, I knew some of the people in the audience. They're people from different gyms. They're people that I knew. Uh, the people from the, the university network. So it had a kind of a carnival atmosphere. That was like, this is super cool. Science would be like this all the time because we've got all the science done and this cohesion means that the data's going to be well t- taken care of. It's going to be good quality. And they said, flip your name tags over and your group designation is on the back what? of the name tag. That's incredible. So we're carrying it around for two hours. And everyone went, whoa, holy shit. That is and one I of the coolest. That is so pu- cool. I had pulled it out, and on the back is placebo, placebo. Like, oh man, everything I've done here, every injection, the every 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 buttock injection, every tiny little uh, growth hormone epipen thing injection, every single thing, saline. The whole experience. Wow. To but, put nothing, nothing but salt water onto the skin. But what a way to finish the experiment and to reveal. Because typically, I'll just email on participants. Hi, thanks for participating. Uh, yeah, here's your here's your group designation. You were, you were given oxytocin, you know, or you were given placebo. Um, it, but, if, if they if they run another study, would you go back and do the thing? Yes, super cool. Ah, oh, like yeah, that that Does is it, it doesn't make it memorable and interesting. Are you now well disposed towards? Hey, I did a scientific study. They did some cool thing. They actually put time, care, and effort into making making it what it is. It didn't cost any money to do to do to do something like that. But it was a little moment of. Oh, that was really well handled. That was great. That was really cool. That that's that's fantastic. Yeah. So you know, and people go, "Oh, well, you're really nice to your experimental participants." Yeah, I I, I think you should be. You should they're be. Doing you a, oh, they're doing you a tremendous you favor. Yeah, you should bend you know? backwards and, for. Yeah, and look, they're, they're coming here to be interested in something. Don't kill their interests. Yeah. Don't just oh. shunt them into the corner and go, oh, "Fill out all that shit, and then you're done. You can piss off." Don't do that. That's a person. You want them coming back. Yeah, exactly. What if you and if you ever want to do something, I mean, like there was one, there was a point there where for for eight uh, eight weeks I had to go in weekly. Yeah, it wasn't particularly convenient. I had to go in weekly, pick up my drugs, go home, do these injections. I think they were twice a day at the end. I wasn't even, I can't remember. It was once or twice a day for the whole time. Go in, check all this stuff off, pee in a jar, and hand it to a woman. I never got comfortable with that because also doing this is another thing that was really strange. The research nurse was really gorgeous. Makes it a bit harder. No, it wasn't that. It was the hat that I had to hand her the cup and it was still warm. Oh, you have to have the paper bag. Yeah. So you can't, firstly, so you can't see it. And secondly, so you, you don't hand it. Oh, this is the, um, I, I, yeah, we used to always do that. When, when you take urine samples. Give them a bag so they don't hand it to you warm. It's better for the experimenter and it's better for the participants. So you can't. Yeah, actually... they they missed they missed that one. But you know, it's a very Otherwise, good looking, yeah. very you know, it's a very very good looking woman. And you go here, you, but you know, nurses have seen everything. Nurses don't. Yeah, yeah, of it's course. It's just me. I'm in my early twenties or something. I'm like, this is a this is this officially this is officially strange. Ah, all right. On that note, and handing a pretty lady a, 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 a bucket of warm piss, um, I think we <laughs> we leave it there. Let's leave it there. Thank, thanks uh, for thanks for listening again, and we, yeah, we really thanks for listening. We we didn't we didn't get any other sort of podcast related details in because we just bashed right through. We today, just went straight awesome. through. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, go join on the, the social whatever. 
Find us on Twitter. Tell Dan he's an idiot. <laughs> uh, tell, tell James to, to get active. Oh, the, the, cam- the campaign the campaign is actually um, getting a lot of momentum. Oh, it's not. It is. It's it just is. saying that to be cool. No, it is. The campaign of, of getting James active on Twitter is, is getting a lot of momentum. So oh, no, yeah, it's happening. Ev- but yeah, r- rate, rate us on, on all the mediums. Um, and I've actually um, I've had a look and we have a, a lot of listeners who are using Overcast, which is a great um, uh, Apple um, iOS app for, for, for podcasting. Uh, that's what I actually use for my podcasting as well. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, Overcast is uh, it's, it's a great app. And um, what you can do is you can actually recommend the podcast within the app so that people who are using Overcast um, can uh, can more easily find, and I'm sure we'd pop up in the science and medicine category within Overcast. So if you're an Overcast user, I know there, I know you're out there because um, it comes up in our analytics. Um, uh, That's make, awesome. Make, oh, I got to get this app because yeah. uh, I've yet so the n- native native SoundCloud searches, native SoundCloud searches for like find me a podcast are bullshit. Yeah, and Overcast it's excellent. not good. It's it's okay. a much it's a much better um, engine for actually finding you podcasts as well. Cool little features you can um, you can fast forward the um uh, the, the the blank bits. So if there's any de- dead space, it fast forwards for you automatically. Oh, well, I think we're going to fill all the blank spaces. Yeah, we're yelling. We've, we've, Thank we've, you very much. Sir. We've, we've done that. So yeah, check out Overcast, and it's actually a free app, and it runs off a patron um, system. Where if you really enjoy the app, you can actually um, become a patron and pay a few a few dollars a month. But otherwise. It's cool. free with all the features. So check it out. Um, yeah, that was meant to be a plug, but it ended up being a plug for uh, for Overcast. And uh, yeah. yeah oh, it's good. It's, you've never told me about that. That's, yeah. um, that's check, super check it useful. Out. Overcast. That's super useful. Yeah. Um, great. Nice one, Dan. Great. Until next time. Okay. Until Bye-bye. then, Chief. Bye.